never been there. The nearly grown-up adventures of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Chapter 1, in which we meet our hero, his wife, his town, and his adversary. The sun was close to setting. Henry, a young man of nearly 30 years, sat on the rocky ground and took in the view before him. The Grand Canyon. You hear about it, seen pictures maybe, but nothing comes close to actually being there. The size of the canyon quieted Henry as he considered how small he was, how insignificant compared to its scale and complexity. Small, meaningless. It was a comforting thought. He hadn't felt good in quite a while, so he was caught off guard when a smile snuck onto his face before he had a chance to avoid it. Feeling small and insignificant pleased him, reassured him that he was no better than any other rock along this cliff, and no worse. His inner voices quieted, his complaints measured small by the grandeur of the canyon. Henry forgot himself and felt happy. And finally happy, he stood up, dusted off his pants, and turned to go but he only made it one step when he slipped, fell to the ground, slid backwards on the loose dirt, and sailed right off the edge of the cliff. Falling down the rock face, Henry somehow grabbed a branch growing out of the cliff, leaving him dangling safe for now. He looked below at nothing but a thousand feet of certain death. Looking up, he could see the top of the cliff just thirty feet away. No reason to panic. He could climb that. Pulling himself up by the branch, Henry now heard a rattling sound. He stretched to peek into a crevice above him. A snake. A big snake, with bared fangs and a clear unwillingness to negotiate. He looked for a way around the snake, but there was none. Henry only now noticed something growing in the cliff face right by his head. A strawberry. A fat, ripe, red strawberry, right there. Hanging on tight to the branch, he reached a hand out, plucked the strawberry, and took a small bite of it. Nothing ever tasted so good in his life. As I look back on it, that was an interesting time. Not a whole lot of options outside of dying or taking a bite of that strawberry on the way to dying. How I wound up there that day is tied up with who I was as a boy and who I grew up with. On a hillside of tall grass, two boys ran down toward the river. A race between them or just running for the joy of it, you couldn't tell and it didn't matter. They flew through the waist-high grass as fast as their feet could go, and they laughed. The unexamined joy of youth has a sound, and that sound is laughter. I had a pretty good childhood. There was some bad parts, but all in, it was pretty good. Henry? The boys could hear her. They wanted more time. Just don't look back. She won't know. Henry? One of the boys glanced back, and he fell. And he woke up, now a man of 29 years, suffering the glare of his wife who stood before him. I can't keep doing this, Henry. Act like a grown-up for heaven's sake and get your butt downstairs and help me with the girls. She shot Henry a last dirty look and hurried off, too busy to scold him any further. So I had a good childhood. I got over it. By the time Henry made it downstairs, his daughters were heading for school. An uneasy quiet returned to this modest home in a small Missouri town on the western banks of the Mississippi. The year was 1870. You forgot your shoes. What? Shoes. They're missing. 
Oh, yeah, I was, um... Henry moved back upstairs and was still up there 40 minutes later when Rebecca found him sitting on the bed. He stared out the window, one shoe on, one still in his hand. Seems like there's something about shoes in general I'm having trouble with. Henry, you've got to snap out of this. I'm told lots of people have troubles with their shoes. You know what I mean. Yes, I do, and I'm fine, I assure you. I'm just a little, you know. You're more than a little, and you've been that way longer than I care to tolerate. Tolerate? Is that where we are? Toleration? That's exactly where we are. And I don't know how much longer I can. I'm late for work. Bye. I hadn't been all that happy or late. Didn't know the how or why exactly. Something tripped me up along the way, and I was having trouble getting my feet back under me. You know how you can walk in a room and not remember why it was you came in there? That's what happened. And the harder I tried to remember, the further it went. And something happened to change all that. And not for the better. Henry walked down the wooden sidewalk of his little town, carrying his lunch sack and looking uncomfortable in his black boots, which up to this moment were the most annoying part of his uncomfortable life. He had the odd feeling just then that someone was watching him. He glanced about as casually as he could and saw no one nearby. But down the next cross street, he spotted a stranger some distance away. Just standing there, the stranger stared in Henry's direction. No, he was staring dead at Henry. He was too far away to see clearly, but close enough for Henry to recognize something in the way he stood, something familiar enough to scare the hell out of him. And so, without another glance, Henry lowered his head and scurried off to work. I had a job that wasn't horrible. It's not like I had to slaughter pigs or sell insurance or anything. I worked at a storehouse down by the river where I counted things. I wrote numbers down and I counted them again. My boss greeted me most mornings like this one when I was late. Henry, I almost like you, so I'm going to put it to you nicely. Henry stood in his boss's office doorway, hands stuffed in his pockets, gazing without purpose at the map on the opposite wall. I want to fire you, I sure as hell do. Why is that? I'll tell you why. You're lazy. Lazy is what you are. You act dim-witted and slow. The you and I know you're not. You walk around like you're asleep. Don't do a thing I tell you. Why is this? Because you're lazy. You have to wake yourself up and work. Work is what we do in life. Work is life. And I'd fire you right now if I thought I'd teach you something, anything. But you're too damn lazy to learn. So go do something. Even if it ain't work, just go do something. It wasn't so bad being at work. Between shipments, I had time to stand by the window and watch the river go by and think on things. What I did was not so much thinking as mulling and the same things over and over. When lunchtime finally came, Henry would sit on the riverbank and eat from his lunch sack. His shoes off, feet pawing the damp earth. He would just sit and watch the river and it would quiet him and make him hate himself less and let him breathe a bit slower than he did before. Then, looking way downriver, Henry thought he saw the stranger again. He couldn't be sure. Someone was there, cooling his feet just like Henry, and then he was gone. But that was enough for Henry. He grabbed his shoes and headed away from the river, away from work, and straight for home. He was hurrying so quickly that he never saw the stranger till he plowed right into him. And there they stood, the two men, face to face. The stranger was Henry's age, his face mostly hidden behind a mop of blonde hair. He smiled the way you do at your own joke, and he spoke. Hey, Huckleberry. Where you been hiding? Tom? 
You got that one on the first guess. Hey, look at us. Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn together again. What could be better than that? Henry couldn't answer. Couldn't move. Couldn't breathe. You're happy to see me, right? No, I'm not. Go away. Henry scooted around Tom and headed for home, head down, steps quick, his mind a darkening storm. It was late that afternoon when Rebecca found Henry hiding in bed, the covers pulled over his head. How's your half day at work today? You know this going to bed early and getting up late is really starting to wear you down, unless of course it is the shoes like you say. You best be careful I seen a man cut in half by a pair of bad shoes. That's not funny. No, it's not. And I'm not enjoying this at all. Annoyed is what I am, that angry, and damn it, I'm fed up. Just thought I'd keep to myself for one day. How's today different from yesterday or last week or the last few months? Hiding's not going to fix anything. I'm not hiding. Just taking another day to not deal with it. So that gives you one extra day till whatever it is tracks you down and makes you deal with it. That's right. And avoiding a problem is, in fact, a fine way of dealing with a problem. Really? I believe that's true. You coming down to dinner? Last chance? I don't think I can. Huck hid there in bed long enough to fall asleep. It was late that evening when Rebecca stood alone in her kitchen, leaning against the sink, her eyes focused on a small picture in her hands. In the dim light of the kerosene flame, she looked closely at a tintype of her and Huck on their wedding day. He had one hand reaching around her waist, the other holding a small bunch of seagull lilies. His eyes were bright and beamed with the simple pleasure of being alive. Her eyes back then were the same as his, but tonight they were tired and red and still wet with tears. In the morning, Huck had made it again to having one shoe on and one in his hands. He sat very still on the bed and was startled by his wife's silent approach. Listen carefully, Henry. We're leaving. The girls and I are going to the Colonel's farm for a visit. I don't know how long we'll be. A few months, maybe. Becky, I... It's best if you don't talk right now. I'm not willing to hear a word. I want my husband back. I'm not sure where he's gone off to, but he's lost and I want him back. Your job is to find him and bring him back to me. Tell him his family needs him and they miss him very much. Now ask the girls to come up and say goodbye. Be nice. The daughters pushed their way past their mother's skirt. The elder did the talking for both, which worked fine for them as the little one didn't much like talking. Mama told us to come and say goodbye because we're going to go to the corner's farm. And Mama said to not ask any questions about why you're not coming with us. So we're not going to. Unless you want to tell us. Come on, girls. It's time we got going. I'll see you again soon, okay? Okay, bye, Daddy. I hope you get better. The daughters moved quickly in a rush for their next adventure. Rebecca wanted to say something else, but didn't know what. She stole a last glance and left. Huck came to the window and looked down to see Rebecca lift the girls into a buggy, climb in herself, and grab the reins. She only half looked up at the window where Huck stood. He couldn't stop watching her and kept looking on well after she and the girls had driven out of sight. It was still morning when Huck came downstairs ready for work. He had the front door open and was about to step out when he remembered Tom. Huck whipped the door shut before anyone could see. He hurried silently through the house and slipped out the back door. 
Huck peeked over the fence to the street and saw no one. In an instant, Huck was out of the yard and walking as fast as he could. He was heading for work. Maybe there he could hide as he always did. He turned the corner, but up ahead was Tom, leaning casually against a post, smiling a friendly smile. Huck detested that smug grin. He turned and headed the opposite way, moving even faster than before. After a block, Huck thought he was making a big mistake, moving in a predictable path. Even a dummy like Tom could figure out his route. Huck turned sharply back and ducked down a dirt path behind Harrison's stable. He was running now and could see the river up ahead. He'd almost made it when something thwacked him hard against the back of his head. The moment before he blacked out, Huck tasted dirt and manure and heard Tom laugh and say, Oops. Chapter 1 was performed by Alex Parker as Huck, Gus Krieger as Tom, Virginia Welch as Rebecca, Stuart Gallard as Huck's boss, Grace Stetcher as Huck's daughter, Vahan Musikian was our reader, and James Whitmore Jr. was the voice of old Huck. Our music was written and performed by Mark Feinberg. The story is based on characters created by Mark Twain. Never Been There was written and directed by Krishna Rao. All rights are reserved by the author. Visit our website at neverbeentherepodcast.com. This is Jessica Straub. I hope you've enjoyed the show. <laughs>